Creativity is experimenting, growing, taking risks, breaking rules, making mistakes, and having fun. Mary Lou Cook. Our guest today on Brewing Out Creativity, Cynthia Hawk, coaches creative entrepreneurs how to move through imposter syndrome so they can share their unique voice and offerings in the world. She shares simple and calming mindful art activities that can help creatives and entrepreneurs struggling with anxiety, stress, self-sabotage, and burnout. Her classes, teacher trainings, and group coaching programs have supported creatives in 38 countries. You can learn more at mindfulcreativemuse.com. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I'm well, Danielle. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I'm so excited about the topic that we're covering. I haven't talked about this with anybody else, so I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive into it. I wanted to first start off the episode with just a fun little cute question. I wanted to ask you, what's your go-to coffee or tea order? Oh, nice. I I do like chai tea, although sometimes I can be sensitive to caffeine. So otherwise, I'll just go for like a lemon ginger tea. I love lemon ginger tea. It's my it's my go-to whenever I'm not feeling well and it's just mm. it always is so refreshing. So I love that. I I had a feeling you were a tea lover and I was looking into more teas the other day because I feel like I definitely need to transition away from caffeine. Um, (laughs) The heart palpitations are real. (laughs) It's a real struggle. Yeah, (laughs) it is for sure. I think before I even want to start asking you about mindful art and meditation, how you combine the both and even more, I would love to hear about your story and how you you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably similar to a lot of other people who discover creativity as a self-care practice. I came to my creativity through different hardship and struggles. So part of that was just burning myself out in corporate America as a manager. I was a cancer survivor and I was a reformed type A perfectionist and overachiever. And I found really through a lot of those different circumstances that I could experience more peace and self-acceptance and calmness through creativity and through combining it with mindfulness. And once I went through that whole healing journey for myself, I had a lot of certifications and teacher trainings and pursued my MFA. And I've been teaching now for the last 13 years, combining mindfulness and art activities. And I find a lot of my students tend to have some of those similar challenges of feeling self-critical or feeling stressed out and that mindful art activities can really help with that. Okay. I would love to touch on pretty much everything you just said. (laughs) Your story is so crazy and I can just tell how strong you are. And I had no idea that you were a cancer survivor. So let me just say that I think you're probably the most powerful woman that I have yet to talk to. And I really, really look up to you in terms of how you manifest creativity as a form of healing and how now you reflect it and help others to utilize it in the same way. I do look at art the same way. It, it is a form of therapy, even though I do it for a living. There are other mediums that I look at as therapy, like painting, so it's not always graphic design. So really thankful for for people like you who are teaching you you would have a lot to offer. So let me just start off by saying that. And second of all, being a perfectionist in the creative world and being critical and facing self-doubt, I think that was 
I'm really excited to talk to you about that because that is definitely, definitely something that I face and that I could see students facing and anybody facing when you're trying to, even if it's not even full time, I feel like you tend to be hard on yourself no matter what, even if it's just a hobby. So it's something Mm. that's all too real for absolutely anybody. And it's something that's not normally discussed is the amount of times we spend criticizing ourselves and our work and the whole process that we have behind it. So definitely something I'm glad you touched on. Yeah, absolutely. I've noticed for myself and a lot of my students, I I hear time and again around um, with creative projects that we have an idea of what we want it to look like or sound like or feel like, you know, once we're finished. And that that can be a real struggle when it's not meeting those expectations that we have in our own head. And also just having self-critical thoughts or comparing our work to others. And I just think it's largely what the mind does, our inner critic of trying to protect ourselves, but it really not serving us overall. So yeah, I'd love to chat more about how I use mindfulness and art practices combined to, to just help soften that a bit so we can create a little more freely. You're going to laugh at me, but I think one thing that I do and that I've done in the past and I'm trying to stop, it used to cause me to have self-doubt, but it basically, I would go into Pinterest or any platform and even Instagram and I would look at artists and I would, I would say, okay, I'm going to create something like this. Like this is, this is something I would really love to do. And this artist is probably refine their skills in this specific style over years, years and years of practice. But I pin the image or I save the painting and I go to do it just for myself, you know, or just uh, creating a creating a piece for my space. And I am so disappointed with the outcome. And at this point, I don't even know if I can define that as mindful art. So I would love it if you could define mindful art in your own terms. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think you're alone in that experience also of picking out (laughs) photos of other artists' work. So mindful art, the way I define it is really simply combining mindfulness and simple art activities. And the way I define mindfulness is staying present in this moment without judgment. And I think it's really easy to say, and the without judgment piece is kind of the part that can trip people up many times. And so a lot of what I teach is combining mindfulness techniques and tools so we can stay present and notice when we are being self-critical or when we are judging around things and different ways to soften that, as well as really simple drawing, painting, collage, and photography activities. So I kind of, I don't limit myself to media, which is nice because depending on what someone is curious about, they can, you know, I see it like a buffet. They can kind of choose what type of media they want to work with. I love how you refer to it as a buffet. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Like I, behind me, I know you can't see, but behind me, I have so many different mediums of things that I like to work with, whether it's marker, watercolor, or acrylics. And it all depends on my, on my mood that day. And I think that's, like you said, it's opening the door to whatever we really want to do. And it's not saying that we always have to work with a specific medium. I think, yeah, like that's, I love how I don't feel confined to one thing and then having to post it. It's, it's for me and it's only for me and allowing myself to create a space where I'm, I'm not subject to creating something that people expect me to do. I can do whatever I want just because it's for myself. And while you were speaking, it it makes me think 
you know, we are so judgmental on ourselves in the process of creating art, but we don't really do it to other people. And I, I don't know if a lot of people fall short, but I, I do it to myself. I'm always complimenting other people's work, but then I'm so hard on myself. And I feel like maybe this is popular, but I'm not too sure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can just speaking from my own experience and uh, struggles with my inner critic, I've definitely caught things that I've said to myself and noticed I would never in my wildest dreams say that to a friend or even a stranger that I don't know. And I think that that is a common experience that we can be, you know, our own worst critics internally. And it's part of, I think, what our mind lends itself towards as well. So there's the negativity bias, and we tend to look for the negative things. And so it's really, I think one thing that I try to, to mention to my students is that it's really normal and there's nothing wrong. It's just the way our mind is sort of programmed. And there's ways that instead we can take these mini moments or small mindful art moments to just have a bit more compassion for ourselves the way we would, you know, if we had a young child we were taking care of that we adored. So yeah, I totally relate to that same experience. I like how you use the word compassion and then at the same time saying like we wouldn't talk to a child like this or anybody else. So why should we do that to ourselves? And I know I struggle with finding ways to deal with that, whether it's fighting my inner critic or self-doubt, anything that comes with being creative. And with that, you gave an amazing tip and uh, that I'm sure would help out to tap into our creative abilities. And like, did you have any other tips that you could recommend others to, to do this? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the really simple ways that I just try to befriend or embrace my inner critic is how I like to call it, yeah. uh, or just move through creative blocks. A, a lot of it first is just to have the awareness that those thoughts are happening. So noticing it, naming it. And what I like to do is actually give my inner critic a persona so I named my inner critic Critical Chrissy. And I love it. <laughs> I have an idea of what she would look like and maybe what she would do during the day and maybe why she's appearing or where that's coming from. So when she does start to kind of crop up, I can just notice, oh, hi, Critical Chrissy. I remember you from a few days ago when you popped up when I was painting. I love that. Um, and, you know, I know that you're concerned. I know you're trying to just help me out. I appreciate that. And I got this. There's a part of it for me that is like, I've seen a lot of books around squash your inner critic or silence your inner critic. Uh, and instead, I really like the idea of embracing our inner critic, that it's just a part of us that's scared, that's trying to keep us safe. And so instead thinking, acknowledging, and sometimes what I'll do in, in my mindful art classes is I'll even suggest like putting a hand on your heart and offering that compassion and gratitude back to yourself. And then, you know, moving forward from there. And of course, if it props up again, five minutes later, when you're creating, it's the same sort of thing. You can just notice it and return back to what you're making. And I think that's a big part about mindful art practices is that it's similar to meditation where instead of just noticing our breath as an anchor point, we're noticing some of those thoughts that might derail our creativity and then bringing it back to just this moment, just what I'm working on with my pen or my brush or my camera um, and giving ourselves permission to be more playful and free 
so we don't kind of block ourselves. That's a really good point. And I, I love the idea of creating a persona. I never would have thought of that. Like what a unique way to look at it. And it started making me think like, I think my goal and the way I look at it is, is to fight the inner critic. It's never to embrace it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's to try and get rid of it. And it started to make me think, because in my mind, I feel like if I fight it, it'll go away. Do you think that us being a perfectionist or having that inner critic will ever go away? Or do you do you think it'll kind of always be there and it's meant to be there because it brings out the best in, in our creative abilities? Yeah, I love that question because I feel really passionate about that. Um, Good. <laughs> I, I feel like it's largely part of our human experience. So I don't feel like we can fully eradicate our inner critic or those self-critical thoughts or judgments. Mm -hmm. I think it's similar to, I mentioned this also sometimes in my classes, that when people first start meditating, let's say they're just sitting on a cushion, they realize that they have like to-do lists coming into their head (laughs) or these, you know, things that they're forgetting. And I just think that that's just what the mind does. And with practice, maybe those things might quiet down or slow down. But I just don't think that our brains are are fully wired to completely to completely stop that. So yeah, that's why I, I like to focus on how can I be with what's coming up and befriend that part. It makes me also think I, I used the example earlier of a young child, but I have a nephew. He's 11 now, but when he was five, if he was having like a tantrum or something, I would oftentimes sit with him, you know, and and help him kind of regulate his system by me doing that myself first. And by doing that, then I could give different options and we could make choices. But if I were to just kind of shut down what he was doing, then it would be a whole different thing. That was just my approach. But I see that really similar to I guess I just see my inner critic so much like the inner wounded child part of me. And so that's what I found really successful and with a lot of my students also. It's a different tactic that I I would have never even thought to do because often for myself, I always think like, how can I never face this again? How can Mm -hmm. I never face these feelings again? And how can I fight this negativity so that maybe tomorrow and the next day after that, I'll be a bit more creative because I didn't let this my self-doubt overcome me. But it's just a matter of it embracing it versus always looking at how can I get rid of it and move past it for the day? Because it's not, I always look at it as like a short-term obstacle, which I guess it kind of is, but in the end it will come back and I can't look at it like I'm, you know, the rest of my life, I'm never going to have this pop up again. And that's how I've been treating it. So it's a really good way to face it, embrace it and give it a name. Like I'm this weekend, that is my to do. That's going to be on my to do list. Giving, <laughs> giving myself doubt and my inner critic a name. That is, that's amazing. Hey creatives. If you're looking to create a website of your dreams, I have a discount code for 10% off Squarespace plans in the episode bio below. Squarespace offers an amazing array of pre-made templates for you to choose from that makes building your website as simple as possible. They'll show up professionally and create an extremely user-friendly experience for your customers or clients. Click the link below and happy web designing. I feel like when I talk to you, it's so inviting and warm. And I've always wondered how you've been able to combine meditation with art because 
like you said, when I meditate or I think of meditating, I'm always thinking about what it is that I need to do that day. I do my meditation in the morning and I always think, okay, come on, come on, let's hurry it up. You got, you got work to do. And then even the same with art, I'm like, okay, come on, come on. We want to see the end result. Mm -hmm. And I, we want to get there. Like how, how do you manage to combine the both without putting these expectations on yourself or with your students? Absolutely. There's so many different approaches. I think a couple that I can share now. So a big part about mindful art activities also is largely focusing on the process, not the final product. So giving ourselves permission to create just for the, the actual enjoyment of creating. And I often will say to my students, we may love what we end up creating in the end, but that that's sort of not the intention or the goal. The intention a lot of times for myself and for students is that we want to give ourselves a bit of peace and space in our day. Like you mentioned, being kind of busy or wanting to get things done. Mm -hmm. So with mindful art activities, sometimes what I'll share as just a really simple way in is making marks. And as you're making marks, whatever those are for you in that moment, to notice our senses. So it might be noticing the sound as your pen moves across the page. It might be noticing the, the texture of the paper as your hand is touching that, perhaps noticing the temperature on your skin. So these are, again, kind of mindfulness and meditation practices and tools, but we're doing them with a pen in hand or a brush in hand and then seeing something outside of ourselves. So I find it a lot of times easier than, let's say, sitting on a cushion with your eyes closed and just being inundated with different thoughts. So that's one thing that I do. Sometimes I will also bring in bodily sensations. So just doing a body scan and then creating from that place. So there's so many different ways in. But what I love about it is I tend to really lean on shorter practices to start as a way to de-stress and free up some of those creative blocks. And then maybe once you're in a flow state, you'll decide to dive back into, let's say, another project you've been working on for weeks or months. And so there can be kind of this back and forth of doing the work as a way of just the process and maybe feeling a bit more calm and then also doing the work as producing that final product. The process is so important and it's something that is overlooked, at least for myself. So many, so many good points there that I don't even know where to begin because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I hadn't produced art in weeks and it was because I wasn't feeling creative as someone that has to work full time and be a creative when it comes to doing something out of passion. It's just not there sometimes on weekends when I take it off. And then I also think, like you said, finding maybe a shorter project could help with that versus always looking at something as it's going to be a longer process and it's going to take a long time, but you, it, it's embracing and noticing our body and how we feel when we do it. And like, like you said, like just the way you feel and noticing your breath and how it sounds with the pen on the paper or the paintbrush on the canvas. And I hadn't done art in weeks and it was because I was being creative for, for so long for others, not really myself. And I, for one, and I know a lot of people who listen are creative entrepreneurs. They they struggle with finding that balance. It's like, how, how do you look at it like something for yourself, but then also something for others? But once I got to it and I did, I, you know, I created a, a piece of artwork for myself. It made me realize, well, 
this is something completely different and the process is something totally different for myself. I was rushing it a little bit. I was, I, I will admit <laughs> I was rushing it, but you know, it, it was, it was worth it for sure. But I do, I struggle so hard in meshing both worlds and trying to be creative for myself and then also for clients at the same time. Yeah. And I, I think that experience that you mentioned too, around having like a block, not wanting to create for a couple of weeks or, or feeling stuck and not creating, whether it's that you have an art practice for yourself or for your profession, or maybe a combination of both. I think that that, I also hear that a lot. And I know I definitely over the last 20 years have experienced a lot of blocks in the road when it comes to creating. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I've found helpful for me is I add in what I like to call creative limitations. So part of, let's say if it's a five minute warm up mindful art activity that I was mentioning earlier, I'll set an intention around that, but then I'll stop before I'm finished with that. And it's almost like it just gets the wheels moving a bit. So I'm in part of a flow of creating, and then I can go back to another project. And I've read other articles and research around what that does with the brain, but I think having something that can give us some momentum and then stopping before it's finished. So the, the mind is still wanting to kind of resolve whatever you're creating, I've found really helpful. But also just having compassion around, you know, the fact that creativity is definitely not a linear process and that oh, yeah. it sort of ebbs and flows. And I often think about like wintertime with trees, how it seems so quiet on the surface, but the roots are just really soaking up all of the water and nutrients. And so if I have moments where it feels kind of like a dry spell, I also just remind myself that there's things sort of percolating beneath the surface and, and we'll try different techniques, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, it doesn't flow outwardly. So obviously all the time. Yeah. So you recommend sometimes like a creative block and taking that break is actually okay. Yeah. What I, what I normally will do around the creative limitations is I'll, I'll often set a timer. So I'll sit down and say, okay, I'm just going to make marks for one minute or two minutes or five minutes. Oh. And I'm only going to use this one pen or this one brush. So I really limit so I don't have to make a lot of choices. And it just gets me into the flow of creating something, anything. You know, it makes me think of like writer's block when people talk about writer's block. I don't believe usually in my experience and talking with other creatives, it's not that we don't have ideas or we don't have things we want to express. I feel like that well is usually really full, but instead it's it's often coming up to, well, is this going to be good enough? Is this going to you know be worthwhile in whatever this pursuit is? Yeah. Do I have everything I need? Like there's all of these other things that can get in the way. And so I think sometimes just to start writing, just to start painting, or whatever your media is, it can be helpful to have these little creative limitations of doing it for one minute, five minutes to get the wheels moving a bit. And then I find, at least for me and for a lot of the people I've worked with, then once there's a bit of momentum, you can kind of follow that trail and it's different than just kind of feeling stuck on your hands. Yeah. All these things are something that I, I realize, like my mindset on art was maybe not the best. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's something that I really should consider is a form of therapy for myself. And it, it is a, it is a time to kind of, you know, embrace. I love how you referred it to 
the trees in winter because it seems quiet, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes and, you know, they're, they're absorbing all the nutrients that they need for that time in, you know, life. And it's all about phases. And I, I realize a lot of times when I'm actually producing art or doing anything that feels therapeutic for myself, it's actually really silent. And it's, it's a moment of silence that I enjoy but obviously my mind can be flooded with thoughts, but to embrace what's happening around me and enjoying the fact that it might not be perfect. And mm. that's, yeah. So those were all amazing, amazing tips as to how to shift our mindset, how to set up positive limitations. Because I, yeah, I sometimes give in and I say like, I don't, I don't need to produce or make time for myself for weeks on end. And that's how I take on creative block and that's how I handle it. But I think that's a really great way to do it is just take a couple of minutes to take either a break or just to explore the pen and like take it away from the massive project or take on smaller projects. So many different tips that you really, you really offered. Thank you so much. And I can tell that you, you live a really great creative lifestyle for yourself. And I wanted to ask like, how much does that mean to you to have been able to create this type of lifestyle for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I, For me, when I hear creative lifestyle, I hear freedom. Same here. (laughs) Like freedom around choices and around exploration. And I think so much of, especially why mindfulness and art combined resonates with me and just my own path is that it gives me permission to play, to explore in a way that doesn't feel so rigid or black and white or that it has to meet, you know, like tight, like a a grade A or whatever. And so, yeah, it just feels really freeing that I have these creative choices that I can make and kind of play with and explore and I can try new things and just be curious. And I think that that it, it also bleeds out into other parts of my life. I think creativity doesn't always have to look like art practices. It can you know, for some people, it might be cooking or gardening, or I really love cloud gazing. And so I'll go somewhere like a new, a new green patch that I can go somewhere and lie down and just sort of daydream and look at the clouds. And that is hugely creative for me as as a process that feels really supportive and nurturing. So I think it's also just whatever works for you. Thank you for pointing that out. Because honestly, I probably would have left this conversation thinking that we were only going to be touching on art. But the matter of the fact is living a creative lifestyle isn't just about creating something for you or for others. It's actually, like you said, taking time and going to a meadow and cloud gazing. And for me, it's almost like that is therapeutic in itself and just appreciating nature. The amount of times during COVID, at least, because I feel like (laughs) we all are going insane. I've looked to nature as the biggest source of inspiration and just it it gives me such a sigh of relief because I can look to it and enjoy the different phases the sunlight is everything for me right now I am enjoying (laughs) it more than you know but yeah like thank you for pointing that out because honestly mindful creativity or just creativity in general does not mean we need to pick up a paintbrush or a pencil It, it can just mean going out or cooking cooking I love cooking too it's I feel like as creatives, we love to dabble in so many things because they're, there are different outlets in different ways and different forms. Mm-hmm. So thank you for touching on that before we left, because that is such a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely connect with the nature and having that feel so supportive. <laughs> because I think it's the most reliable thing we have at the moment, mm-hmm. because with COVID, like so much has changed, but at least that's stayed the same. And that's, 
it, I never thought it would be something that I would look up to or be inspired by until COVID hit. And then I really started appreciating going for drives around my area and looking at these things. So thank you, COVID, for that. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you, do you have any upcoming projects that the listeners should keep their eyes or ears out for? Yeah, absolutely. So I have on my YouTube channel, I share some really simple mindful art ways you can kind of dive in deeper to begin. That's under Mindful Creative Muse on YouTube. And then on my website, I have online workshops and teacher trainings And the teacher trainings tend to help people dive deeper into your own personal practice, but also if you're feeling perhaps called to sharing out and supporting others in the world. Um, So that's all at mindfulcreativemuse.com. And is that where everybody can find you online or work with you? Or are there other ways that people can reach out to you? Yeah, those two ways definitely are great. I'm also on other social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and all all the places. So anyone can always message there, but I do have a contact form on my website. Amazing. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I had such a great time recording this with you and just chatting about this topic. I had a feeling that it would be like a form of meditation in itself. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I loved hearing about your creative process too. Thank you for listening into this week's episode of Brewing Up Creativity. Have you been loving our recent episodes? It would mean a lot if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you're also wondering how you can join us on the podcast, reach out to us at info at brewingupcreativity.com or fill out an inquiry form, which can be found on Instagram at brewingupcreativity, where the link is in our bio.